podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up. Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. You don't really know why, but you want to justify ripping someone's head off. No human contact. And if you interact, your life is on contract. Your best bet is to stay away, motherfucker. It's just one of those days. Hello, good evening and welcome uh, back to the Big Strong Leicester Boys podcast and uh, apologies for anyone who does not uh, like swear words, um, but that was uh, by the request of a few of the lads and uh, a few people on Twitter as well as far as intro music goes for today's episode and um, probably a bit of a heads up as well if you if you do do a, a Big Strong Leicester Boys uh, swear jar or, or swear count, I'd imagine there may well be a few. <laughs> Um, <laughs> over the course of, of today's episode, but I'm sure you can forgive us. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a 5-3 defeat to Fulham on your bank holiday Monday. Personal opinion, and I think that the general consensus with that flatters us somewhat. Um, I thought we were absolutely woeful. And for the very first time, for me personally, I am now truly um considering and, and getting my head around relegation and, and championship football next season up until this point I had genuinely believed we we would find a way of of getting out of it I thought it would be close but I thought we would um ultimately be be safe but I thought all the signs on on Monday against Fulham was 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 everything of a of a side that that's going down it really was not a fun experience or a fun game to be at whatsoever but I know that so many people enjoy listening to these podcasts as a, as a way of kind of, you know, cathartic, don't they? they? They like to listen to these kind of things and, you know, get things off their chest. And I'm sure that's exactly what the lads are going to be doing today. Uh, we've got Jordan and Rick. Jack's going to join us very, very shortly. We've also got Jordan Blackwell as well um, from the Leicester Mercury. So it should be a really good episode for you um, today to, to listen to. And um, Rick, quickly, we will come to you because you've made a, a specific request today. Um, that you do not want to be edited, um, <laughs> or or what's the, what? What else should we say? You just you don't want any of these situations where your any of your opinions have been taken out of this episode, right? Which is a little bit uh, scary. Well, yeah, no, I just think that there's no point editing what is going on now, is there? With it's just bullshit, um, and <laughs> I mean, what I just. There's so much going on in my mind that I can't articulate what I'm feeling, really. I said last week, didn't I, that I felt energised again because I was actually feeling something. That Everton game was chaos, and I felt like I'd aged about 20 years during that game. Well, bring me apathy and numbness again because this is just obscene. You know, I've yesterday was probably the angriest I've been in years. Um, I mean... What's the most? What's the angriest animal creature in in the world? A pup adder. <laughs> I'm worse than that, mate. Honestly, I'm just fuming. I woke up today and I'm equally as bad. You know, we we joke and have a laugh about stuff, but this means a hell of a lot to people. Leicester City do. Um, mm. You know, we can joke about it and people say there's more to life than football. For some, there isn't, or or, or there are. But when when things go wrong, you realise how much it does affect you. And right now, I'm fuming. And, I, you know, it, if anything, 
our success, we've got no God-given right to have done what we've done and we've got no God-given right to be a Premier League team. But we have worked so hard to get to where we are and that's not a fan base necessarily. That's a club as a whole, and we've all we've all bought into that, and we've supported them, and and we acknowledge what we've done. And there's been so many people behind the scenes do it that to get to where we've got to, and then to have fallen as hard and fast as this, you know, it's not just this season. Last season we could see the danger signs. You know, I feel like we're them four violinists on the Titanic, you know, that just carry on playing, even though they know they're about to snuff it. You know, the iceberg's been coming and we could have avoided it, but yet now we're blasting straight into it and we're done. And I'm just so angry because, you know, if we'd never achieved anything and we were just a middling Premier League team for the last nine years, you could almost accept that we, you know, we're, we're going back to natural order. No, to have failed. To, to drop from where we're dropping, it is gross negligence and mm. it is hideous. And, you know, I'll come on to more. I'll let, I'll let Jordan and, and George talk <laughs> yeah. now. But yeah. it's just, it's sickening. And the fact that there's going to be people in the board level that won't lose their jobs over this aren't measured on performance. Honestly, uh, yeah, this is why I don't want to be edited because it's our souls <laughs> like that that need to hear what, is going on right okay so there we are there's a, a quick taste of, of rick's mood as he takes another swig from his can of stella um jordan holford big strong lesser boy uh we'll come to you first before we we intro uh jordan blackwell um are you feeling similar to rick um i suspect we all are and we're struggling to articulate it yeah i mean i i think the worst thing for me is I do just feel apathetic towards it. Um, the more I think about it, the angrier I get, which is why I'm not trying to think about it. And just, you know, I've accepted that we're going down. Um, yesterday was an absolute white flag. Um, you compare the performance. I mean, it's easy to say it was the worst performance of the season, but we've had so many bad ones and we scored three and still somehow lost the game. And then you compare that with Everton's display and... Forest to display two sides that are nowhere near as good as, as in, you know, on paper or technically. And the one thing that they have got, which we seemingly haven't, is a pair of bollocks. And, you know, Matt will come on to Madison and his comments. But for, for him to come out after the game and whether it was a slip of the tongue and it was mentioned in the dressing room, I don't know. But to say we haven't got the fight is just absolutely unforgivable. I mean, I've seen today that Dean Smith has, has had them in and, and they're not on a day off. I mean, why on, why on earth would they have a day off anyway? Mm. Um, and like Rick says, this iceberg has been coming for months and I've been positive all season. But even ten with 10 games to go, even I was thinking, fucking hell, we, 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 we're still in this. We shouldn't be in this mess and we still are. And there is a danger. And it seems now with two points from safety, everyone at the club has actually finally woke up and thought, oh, shit, we're going down. Um, the players don't care because the ones that are out of contract are going to go. The ones that are worth anything, we've got to sell. Um, we can't afford anyone. I mean, we'll come on to the wages, I imagine. We can't afford anyone that we'd like to keep. And Rick took the words out of my mouth. It's complete gross negligence from the top. 
and we'll come on to the manager, but everyone was blaming Brendan Rodgers. Now people are criticising Dean Smith. Um, the book stops with the board and, and the owner. And I I'm sick of the sight of the players. And in between, you've got a manager who said against Forrest last year what he said, and he was right. A manager who said in the summer that we needed investment, and he was right. And now Dean Smith's coming in and he's getting stick because he can't change it either. And it is just, I don't know where, where to start or what to say. It's an absolute mess. And and if, if we go down, well, we will go down. I don't think we'll get another point. And I don't think Leeds will get another point. So I, I think it's, I think that's the table now. I don't think Everton or Forest need to win another game, personally. Um, if we don't come straight back up, this club could be in the abyss for another 10 years. And... And the, the real thing, again, we'll probably come on to it, the real thing that has rattled me the most is this, um, we've taken out this loan for three years with, is it Maguire? Is that how you yeah. say it? The, the, Australia, uh, the Australian bank against the Premier League TV rights until 2025 or 26. That should be the signal of the malaise that has set in at the, the highest level of the club that they think we've got this God-given right to be in the Premier League. And as soon as they've taken the, our eye off the ball, um, you know, yes, we, King Power might not have the investment that they had before COVID. Yes, we've got a, a, a bought a new training ground. Yes, we've got a stadium expansion. And we might not have been able to invest in the team. But you take your eye off the ball at this level of football and everyone's caught us up in one summer. And that negligence at the top is, is what's really cost us. And... I mean, not just because it's Leicester City. But I think it's really sad for the state of football that you've got a team that has won the Premier League, won the FA Cup, played in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. And with the resources we've got, we've won those trophies more recently than Manchester United. And we've won more than Tottenham Hotspur. And they've got a bottomless pit of money, effectively. We've, we've won more than Newcastle United. And if we can't sustain Premier League football for 10 years now... When can we do it? We're never going to do it. And I think that's not just alarming as a Leicester fan, but for every other club should actually look at us and think, fucking hell, what is the point? Because it, it seems pointless. It seems pointless. And that's what rattles me about you know, what we've achieved and people don't realise because the resources we've got to achieve what we did is incredible. But for it to go so, so spectacularly wrong in such a short space of time is even more unbelievable. And like I say, I, I do I do feel kind of apathetic towards it. But the, when I start talking about it and thinking about it, it, it winds me up. But what can you say? We're fucked. We're absolutely fucked. We're down. Mm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> in a footballing sense, uh, it is it is really quite depressing. It generally is. And so much of, well, pretty much everything that the both of you have said, I, I do completely agree with. I think the the negligence and the the lack of action from, from people at the top of the football club um, – is is quite incredible um and we've spoken before haven't we that that maybe there needs to be a purge and a complete change of everything at the football club you know and and, and maybe in, in that sense relegation isn't the worst thing but as i was saying to jack at the weekend the problem is that even if you go down to the championship that the people who are criticizing right now and look ultimately we're not and we can't be 100 percent sure who to blame 
is. But, you know, those names like your Susan Whelans, your John Rudkins, whether it's top, you know, and it is impossible for me to pick out people and say that it's your fault. Same with Brendan Rodgers. But, but the reality is, is that those people are still going to be at the football club next season. So ultimately, in my opinion, I, I can't see it change, which is why you, you, you speak about the, the icebergs and you know how it's going to come crashing. We're going to end up in the championship. I don't think we bounce straight back unless there is a huge um, change at the top end of, of the football club, which I can't really see happening because I don't think the owner in top is, is ruthless enough and and um, and is wise enough and and, and can witness and, and notice all of these things because if he because if he did, he would have made these changes already, but he, but he hasn't. Um, so, look, it's one of them things where I kind of feel like I don't want to talk about it, but equally, as soon as I start talking about it, then can't shut up talking about it because it's something that deeply affects you and you care about so, so much. Um, Jordan, um, Jordan Blackwell from the Leicester Mercury. We need to talk about Fulham and the game itself because I know that, that so far it's just a general feeling and, and mood around the football club and this horrible um, trajectory which which we're on. But what on earth did you make of that performance against Fulham? Because I think all of us were looking at this fixture as a as one we not only should be targeting to win, but I think we're relatively comfortable of getting a result from. Um, yep. But it was absolutely woeful. And, and for me, 5-3 flatters us immensely from, from literally the word go. I could see we weren't at the races and it was a painful, painful watch um, for me and, and everyone else sat in that or stood in that away end yesterday. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I totally agree. I think um, yeah, I, I would argue it's probably not the worst performance of the season. I do think Brighton away takes some beating, but maybe given the stakes, maybe it will go down um, as the worst performance of the season. I certainly think it will be you know, if Leicester do get relegated, I think it will be the game that people point to or the day that people point to, given the the sort of the Everton and Forest results that, that followed. Um, you know, what's been said is right, certainly about the sort of maybe the lack of desire on show. I, I think the players would dispute that, um, but there's clearly something missing that a team in Fulham who don't have Europe to play for, they're not in a relegation battle. I think Marco Silva set this sort of target of, trying to surpass the points uh, total that Roy Hodgson's Fulham got in 2009 or something. You know, that's not high stakes stuff. Leicester are playing for their Premier League future and yet Fulham wanted it more. Um, I do think inevitably because of that, there are going to be questions um, around the motivations of the players. And obviously with many of them, won't suffer the sort of the repercussions of a relegation because they won't be at the club like the fans will, and that's there will always be a difference between the fans and the players in that regard. Um, Dean Smith has said that's not the case. He's always insisted that the players do care, and I think um, you do see in some of the performances that some of them do. I mean, you know, Charles who's probably been the best player over the past few weeks, and he's not going to be here uh, come next season. So it's a bit of a you know, it's it's an argument that, that does have some holes in it. But I think you're still looking at why, you know, why they can't show the, the same commitment as other teams. I think, I thought some, Smith said something very interesting yesterday in that he's he's told the team um, to ignore the sort of the pundits that say they're good players and they're a good team because there's too much evidence to the contrary. There's, you know, they've lost too many games. Um and maybe that's a part of it. Maybe the you know that would certainly sort of 
explain why they concede first so often. I mean, you know, 17 of uh, the last 18 games they've conceded first and the only one they didn't at Palace where they were absolutely battered. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that probably may be a part of it, whether they thought, you know, whether they think they're, they're better than they are and then they're having to go one behind before realising that they're in trouble and actually starting to get into games. Whether they become complacent every time they're outside of the relegation zone um, and assume that others sort of below them in the table are going to be worse, um, which there have been occasions. There have been games where Leicester have not done very well, but they've they've not moved anywhere in the table because the teams behind them have then sort of messed up their games as well. Um, then all of a sudden, Leicester lose one, the teams behind them win theirs, and all of a sudden it looks very, very bleak. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> on the desire thing, I, I do I do think there's a, a real lack of desire um Jordan within that side and it, it's it's it is hard to work out why um I know we obviously point to the fact that lots of them aren't going to be there but it was so noticeably poor on, on Monday it, you are left scratching your head in terms of if you're not kind of more you know personal pride in in your own performance because if you carry on playing like this you know no Premier League club's gonna gonna touch you and you know it was literally from the kickoff um a ball went over the top uh, between Pheasant and Castagna. And, you know, I want my centre-half coming to attack that, but he didn't come and attack it. Castagna kind of let it bounce over his head. And the other got a, a corner or a throw in. And from that moment, the, the kind of felt like the tone was was set. And it looks to me like 11 strangers. There, there's no structure. There, there's, there's no pattern of play. Um, there's no style in, in terms of the way that Leicester play at all. And you, you see the way that Fulham were knocking the ball around. And you are, you're left scratching your head thinking, well, what are they doing on the, the training pitch? You know, because these are players have, have proven, you know, whether at Leicester or previous clubs, that they're, they're top-level footballers. You know, we'll, we'll probably talk about the wages, but, you know, they, they didn't give themselves those wages. Somebody thought they were worth it and enough people thought they were to get those contracts in the first place. These aren't 11 useless footballers. These, these, are, these are top um, professionals, but for some reason, they just simply are not doing it for Leicester. And, you know, the lack of desire, there was no press whatsoever. And you look at where all the goals come from, it's either from nobody taking charge of the situation or just, you know, a, a lack of press and just not putting enough pressure on, on the board and allowing Fulham to basically do what on earth they wanted. And I thought the only two players, and again, um, talk about holes in arguments, um, but I thought the only two players who can walk away with any kind of credit in terms, I thought they at least tried, were, were Vardy and, and Soyuncu. But you know, you've got Vardy, who's missed a penalty, and then Soyuncu, who you can potentially say was at fault for, for one of the goals. I mean, I do disagree in terms of if you're going to point fingers, I, I wouldn't directly go for Soyuncu. Um, although, of course, he could have done better in that, that situation. Um, and then I think with Madison, Jordan, I actually think that he's trying too hard. You know, I don't think that James Madison is lacking desire. And of course, he is the guy who's who's fronted up in terms of the media and he's the guy with the captain's armband. And he's the guy who's obviously come on social media. So he's taking all the heat because also he's our best player. So he's the one that we're looking towards to try and make things happen. Um, but but Jordan, and this is to, to Jordan Blackwell, sorry. What did you think of, of of Madison? Do you agree that he's maybe just trying too hard at the moment? Because I don't think there's a lack of desire from him and I don't think there's a lack of fight from him. I, I genuinely don't, irrespective of whether he's going to be at the club here um, next season or not. No, I think he does care. Um, I think the, the, the comments were interesting in the sense that he was clearly keen not to be taken out of context. Um, I felt personally the, the sort of the context that he was looking to provide 
wasn't really it didn't really help in the sense that the context was already there in the performance you know he said there was you know he wasn't say when he said about the lack of hunger or you know they weren't hungry enough he was wasn't saying that they didn't want to win or didn't understand the importance of the fixture he was saying that they you know they weren't aggressive enough in the 50-50s or you know in their pressing but if you do really want to win the game and you do understand the importance of the fixture then those aspects of a performance are there you are committed in the 50-50s uh you do press really well um but yes i do think he's one that uh you know i i, I can't criticize him too much because i would always prefer a player to come out and speak to the media and, and you know much prefer that to sort of silence or you know not addressing a situation uh, and madison is very very good at that um i think when he receives the ball he does care i i thought the i mean we're probably going into you know sort of formation and tactics now i I don't feel when he, I think when he plays as a number 10, I do think he tends to sort of amble around the pitch a little bit more, not necessarily pressing as hard as he does when he's played on the right. I think he knows he can't get away with it on the right. So he has to work hard off the ball. I think when he's in the number 10 position, he, he tends to, to, to stay a little bit more stationary, but then you, that's part of the problem you've got because you don't want Vardy having to come deep to get the ball because you want him on the last man. And that's what you miss when Iheanacho's not playing. And, you know, there's so much to that can be said about that. But yeah, I, for Madison, uh, yes, he's not going to be here next season. Uh, well, it's very, very unlikely that he will be, even if they if they do stay up. Um, but I think, he, I, I do think he cares. And I think you are seeing it on the ball. I think you're probably right. Um, that Jake, that it, it does feel a little bit like he's trying too hard. Um, I think the he clearly feels some level of responsibility. Uh, I think he probably is sort of holding on to the ball a little bit too much at times. Um, but there has been so many occasions in the past where it's you know the team have basically just given him the ball and expected him to work some magic. So it, it, it's not a surprise maybe that he feels the pressure to to do that on the pitch. Um, you know, and he still he still did pretty well. Um, on the ball in the second half anyway yesterday yeah um right jack's joined us now uh hello mate uh we had a great day yesterday didn't we in fulham we had a lovely day jake a lovely day spoiled by 90 minutes the story of the season but we we did stay for 90 minutes we did despite my best efforts to leave about three times Um, (laughs) but it was in a weird way it was just too enjoyable to watch us be so terrible it felt Rather like quite historic in a way, you know. That you know, there are games where you just you know, I don't know, it's not quite our lowest ebb, but I mean, that's the lowest ebb of the season, wasn't it? And yeah, um, in, in a weird kind of way, uh, I felt some pride being there, um, even if some of the players didn't. Mm. Um, Rick, I saw you tweeted James Madison um, <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. You little Herbert. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, obviously, you've just had me and Jordan discuss our thoughts on it. I do think Madison cares. I just think he's trying too hard. And yet, you know, he, he needs to stay off social media because it, it doesn't help. And I don't think um, him trying to clarify whatever he thought he said yesterday helped whatsoever. But um, I, I'm probably not as angry with Madison as perhaps other people are. I, I, I do think that it's all his energy is coming from the right place. Um, where, where are you at with it? Um, probably, probably different if you're calling him a Herbert on Twitter. No, no, no. That like, I, I love James Madison. Um, I've, I've certainly not turned on him over the years like many have been quick to do. 
usually when he, you know, a, a run of poor form, the, the abuse will come. No, I mean, there's no denying he's our best player. And last season, he stepped up in class, didn't he? And his whole attitude, the way he, he sort of dealt with not getting called up for England and the criticism about some of the things that had gone on off the pitch, he matured and he was brilliant. And likewise, up to the World Cup, we were dog shit before Christmas until we went on that run of form. But whilst we were losing seven games on the spin or whatever it was and breaking records, not in a good way, he was still conducting himself very well. He didn't let his standards drop. He wasn't moping about it. He wasn't arguing with people on Twitter. He was just getting his head down and doing what he needed to do. Since he's come back from the World Cup and in 2023, it's not gone well for him. Um he obviously has made his, you know, he's been reborn again with England and he had a good game for them. But for Leicester, he hadn't done a lot. And it's starting to tell. You know, he gobbed off at Rob Tanner back in March. And this is where, this is what it all comes down to. So many of them have been oblivious and honestly astonished that we dare question that we're in the shit. Because the arrogance that, we dared question them and boo them and call them out as late as March was all played out there by James Madison where he, he went to town on Rob Tanner for, for writing a very good article that wasn't personal, that wasn't particularly unfair. It was just calling it as it is, you know, reading out worrying stats and trends and all the, you know, facts and proof that you could tell that we were bollocks. And he's he's gone out of his way to say that. Now, okay, I, I don't mind him fronting up because that is Madison. He's emotional. And I do agree he cares because he will. Now, he'll be one of the first ones to leave in the summer, and rightly so, because he's got a year to go. We need to sell him, and he deserves to play uh, you know, at the highest level. But, you know, read the room. Know when you do need to wind it in because all he's now going on about, now he's arguing again by saying they're not hungry enough. Now, Jordan Blackwell's right. It, it's not so much he's saying that they don't care, but being hungry and being like going behind every game and being passive and stuff, it's the same thing. It's as Simon Jordan said earlier, it's dressed up in a different, you've rebadged some dog shit in a different bag. It, you know, he just needs to hold his hands up and say, we haven't been good enough. It's now suddenly dawned on us and we will move heaven and earth in these next three games to try our hardest to stay up. But we're sorry. It isn't for a want of trying. But yes, maybe we've been a little bit complacent. Maybe we've genuinely assumed that we'll be okay. But we ain't going to be okay. And hold your hands up, son, because we're the ones that are still going to have to go and watch that dog mess next season. He won't. And Mm. I tell you what, he's going to be the most honest. This is where my head will fall off. Coventry City are going to get promoted, right? They're going to win the playoffs. And there's going to be a tweet that comes out from James Madison congratulating Coventry City for getting promoted, right? And he'll be well within his rights for doing that. But, again, read the room. <laughs> he'll, probably, he'll probably congratulate Forrest on staying up because he lives in Nottingham. So <laughs> I knew you'd that, say that. that. That took literally five yeah. minutes for Jack to mention. I was waiting for that. <laughs> our, our players should not live in Nottingham. They should not. Like they should, I, said, all, I know players they should all have Ellie. They're still shit. 
Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't prevent them being shit, but like some context is required. They should all have LE postcodes, unless there is extreme extenuating circumstances. I don't care if they live on the other side of the county. Like, you've got to have some pride in the city. Like, we've I been think you grave, and all the players have pissed off to Nottinghamshire. Like, I'm not having that. <laughs> Jack, you'd um, be a fan of uh, Irish sport because they all have to come from the same county to they yeah. play for. I, you should follow the hurling. Why do you think I want a purge, George? We can build it from the ground up. <laughs> right, let's go back to Jordan Blackwell quickly before um, we let him go off to, to the pub and then um, before it maybe Rick's head well and true does fall off and then Jordan doesn't have to be associated with that. <laughs> uh, but, but, mate, we, we do massively appreciate you, you coming on. You do a great job. Um, I, I want to now kind of get your thoughts on on Dean Smith and and where he goes from here for these these final three games. Because, look, I think I can say as a collective of the podcast, we've we've enjoyed Dean. We think he's done a decent job. Um, but you know, after, after the performance against Fulham, we then kind of take a step back and say, oh, really, has he done that good a job? I'm now not really too sure. Um, and I'm not sure where my head is at whatsoever. And I don't know how um, or where he goes from here in terms of picking this team up for, for Liverpool and Newcastle. Because... You know, these are games that ordinarily we would view as, as as free hits, but of course we're in a situation where we're, we're absolutely there aren't any free hits anymore, and um, you know, losing these games could effectively damage what little confidence that there already is in in the side. And if there is any hope whatsoever that you go into the final day um, with a chance of of staying up with with a win over over West Ham. I'm just not really sure how he goes about tackling these games, um, Jordan, because Liverpool and Newcastle right now, I mean, Newcastle less so because I know they lost to Arsenal at the weekend, but they look like the, the exactly, well, we just look like cannon fodder basically to them right now, if I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, um, <clears throat> the, the, the only sort of small drop of hope I've got about the Liverpool game is that their away record isn't great this season. Um, but as you say, they are in a very good run of form. I think that the the difficulty for me, based on the, the sort of the team selection, is that we, when we've been speaking to Dean Smith, is that he's very much focused on the the lack of clean sheets and the number of goals that the the club have conceded. He, he's you know he set out addressing that. Um, that's what he's wanted to change because he's he's very much of the opinion. Well, we've got the attacking quality in the team. Um, I can back this team to to score goals comfortably. It's the defensively where we need to improve, and the, I mean, the setup didn't at Fulham didn't, it, it didn't solve anything. I think there's, I think last season the, the kind of how terrible the team were at defending corners probably overshadowed that they also weren't very good at defending on the transition, um, and they, it, there were so many times in games where Leicester dominated possession where they would concede a goal on the counter attack because. One player makes a mistake high up the pitch, and they don't have the organisation to cut uh, to to stop the attacks. I think that's sort of carried on, and we saw particularly with the the Fulham second goal that was that was the major problem there. Playing a midfield two of Tielemans and Samare doesn't strike me as the best way forward in that regard. I don't think um, Tielemans is agile enough to to get back and defend a counter. I think Samare has a tendency to switch off. Um, I'd be. I know lots of people have said it. I would be tempted to play Papi Mendy. Um, I, I think you're not going to get a, a lot of. Um, you know, you're not going to get a great deal out of him in terms of you know 
intricate passes or anything like that, and you would be you know sacrificing an attacker to play him. But his positioning is is quite good. He does. He is a steady Eddie, um, and so I'd be tempted. That's the only real solution I can see. Uh, maybe playing Dewsbury Hall. Um, I know he, he feels like he's lacked a little bit of quality this this season, um, but you do get energy from him, um, and he does stay switched on for the full ninety minutes, and he does have the stamina to run for ninety minutes. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I think it's tough. You know, you look at these games and you can't, with the, with the way Leicester played against Fulham, you can't really see a way out of it for them, uh, you know, a way to get results. But that would be the way I would go um, to, you know, to put to put Mendy at the base, base of the midfield. Rick, have you got a quick question for Jordan before he goes or is that for us? Uh, no, yeah, it's for Jordan. So, yeah, just on Dean Smith, uh, are you a little bit concerned that, you know, we, we brought three players in in January and he's quite quickly... Looks like he's not having Harry Sutar. He's had Christiansen in and out, and Tete's obviously been very poor, which, you know, obviously I'm partly to blame on as well for giving him a kiss of death. But um, yeah, I'm just a bit, you know, I, I thought Dean Smith was a shrewd appointment uh, and could long term get the job, but I'm a little bit concerned that he's come in and he's not having those new players now. He's got to see how he calls it, and there's no time for bedding players in right now. But I am. I do feel he's getting a few things way off, and he, he's not even like bringing these players on. Like Hughes Brill's come on once; he's not come on again since. I don't think Sutar played against Man City; not come on. I just, you know, there, there seems to be a real disconnect there already, which bothers me. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's probably just a. He's clearly just approaching it in the sense that you know they're in a desperate situation and in. You can't really think long term. Um, I do think it is a little bit of a concern, as you say, that none of the new signings are really featured. Um, I think Christensen, from looking very good in those first couple of games, has, has seemed to struggle. I mean, I remember speaking to Danish journalists at the time, um, and they were kind of of the opinion, "Oh, yeah, he'll be, you know, he'll be Premier League quality eventually," but uh, I'm not sure about right now. Um, and then all of a sudden he's being thrust in, he's being asked to play every game. And I think he's, you know, he's not really shown up um, all too well over the past couple of games. Um, I think Suter works well if you're, uh, if you want a, a sort of a more settled back line. I, I was surprised that the Soyuncu and Fast partnership seemed to work. Um, I thought that was two sort of players who were very too similar to each other. Um, and I think you've seen a couple of, I think the second goal Fulham scored, there was an instance uh, of that. Um, they were both a bit sort of too, weren't quite in the right positions. But um, yeah, I, I think the, the thing that now is that the the way, since Martin Glover came in as head of recruitment, that the managers don't really get a say in the in the transfer market. So, you know, the... It's going to be a case of the, the club signing players and the managers having to, to work with whoever they get. Um, I think they probably changed that after the, the the window, sort of the sort of the dreadful window of 2021, um, and sort of so Rogers didn't really have any say in, in those three signings in January. They were all sourced by Glover and the, the recruitment team. Um, I think probably the club realised that sort of the Rogers influence signings, Vestergaard and Bertrand. Um, Hadn't come off too well. Rogers, well, Rogers was behind Luckman as well, which was probably the most successful one. But um, yeah, th- I think there was there has been a change of attack there. So um, 
Yeah, I, it's a concern, but it's it, it's uh, you know that I think Smith just feels like he's got to do whatever he can to get them to get them out of it. He's, he's only considering how the, the players have performed in training. That's all he's based his, his selection on, which is why so you choose come back in. Mm. All right, top stuff. Jordan, mate, we'll let you get down the boozer. Um, Thank you very ma- much. Massively appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks very much, gents. Catch you in a bit. Top man. Thanks, mate. Bye. There we are. That's Jordan Blackwell there from the Leicester Mercury. Um, right, I'm going to hand the floor over to, to you boys, really. I've done a lot of talking. Um, and, of course, obviously, want to get the views of, of Jordan there. I'm all Leicester out. Um, Jack, we need to hear from you um, some more, please, mate. Um, what would you, the, the floor is yours, what would you like to talk about? Um, Apart from postcodes. Uh, yeah, post- <laughs> we talk about postcodes. No, we've done that one now. Uh, I've got a quiz, <laughs> but I, I think we should save the quiz for the end. Um, on, on Madison, just to go back to the point, I'm not going to mention his postcode again. I, I think he he cares, but I think he cares about himself. I don't think he really cares about the club. And, and I don't mean that in kind of a digging him out criticism kind of way. He, he he's very conscious of his self-image and I think it's all big and brave to come out after the game and, you know, fair play to him for doing that. But I think he's doing that for him rather than anyone else. So I, I kind of, I'm a little bit more, more sceptical about that. I think, you know, coming out and, and saying all those things, is, it's all very well and good when you scored a penalty and you sort of dig out the rest of the players. It doesn't, it doesn't strike me as being, you know, well, it's clearly not a very, a very happy team. So, uh, and just, just on that, the other point I was making, the, the, the other point I was going to make, the, the margins at Premier League level are so fine and 2% makes all the difference. When you have a load of players that, I don't know how many of them out there yesterday will be here again this season, probably seven or eight of them won't be here regardless of what division we're in. You're not going to, sprint that little bit harder you're not going to stretch for a tackle because you snap your hamstring now you do an ACL if Yuri does his ACL now he's not getting paid for nine months so he will phone it in and he is phoning it in because he's not running he's doing a lot of you know a little I mean he's doing the Rogers little clap beautifully isn't he and a lot of sort of trying to trying to raise it but for for a captain in a relegation fight that's not good enough and and the players don't care. I said it a while ago. I don't. I almost don't blame them for not caring because it's their own careers and their careers are short. But allowing it to get in this mess where you basically you've got a management team that have been given eight games and they don't care whether they're here or not because they probably got you know an almighty pay packet and you know John Terry's had his meals paid for for eight weeks and golf on tap and he can go for five k runs. Brilliant, but that. That's not a good situation to be in, coupled with the fact that over half our squad will be out of contract by the end of next year. I mean, it's it is an abysmal situation to get in, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that we've ended up in a situation where how we've not already gone down baffles me slightly. I mean, if, if you look at the season, we've had two decent runs, and one of those runs was two games. We're, we're abysmal and we have been all year. And the thing is, when I say we're abysmal, we're not abysmal because we've got decent, talented players. But motivation and heart go a long, long way. And there is none of that. And, and I don't know whether any, like, I, 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 I struggle to dig out every one of the club, but 
I, I just don't see, I, I'm sure Top cares because he spent a lot of money and like has a huge amount of investing into this club. But I, I just, I didn't see anything from anyone that the players, the coaching staff, anyway, they weren't hurting like the rest of us were yesterday. And it's, it's a shambles that he's got to this level. Like an utter shambles. This is, I've seen us be relegated, what, four or five times? This is probably the best team I'll see get relegated. Um, and it's completely avoidable. Like, it's a disgrace that, that we've let it get this bad. So, um, there you go. George, Rick, follow that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with a lot of that, to be honest, mate. I wanted to make a point on Madison because I'm really conflicted with it and I'm really struggling um, to get my head around it. Uh, and I'm reluctant to to dig him out too much because, like Rick said, you know, before the World Cup, he conducted himself really well. He, and, you know, he scored 10, nine assists this season. Without him, we... We'd be already down, and I mean, I know that's a ridiculous sort of argument, but since he's gone to the World Cup and he didn't play, so he, he's been injured, and there's some sort of underlying injury there, whether he needs an op or whatever it is, there's something not right. But since he's played for England, he hasn't been the same player. Now, I think people are in the camp are getting into him, saying, "Well, you 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 won't be there next year anyway, mate. So come and play for us." That is 100% happening. He strikes me as a, a next sort of Grealish type. Um, you know, I, I, I'm obviously a big England fan, but we know what some of the players are like um, in their personal and private life, etc. And what I really struggle with is I, I'm obviously big on the social media side of things, and I don't think players get enough help in terms of mentally and psychologically at clubs. And social media is the devil. Now, he came out and had a pop at Tanner saying, we'll be fine. I've said we'll be fine all season. I'm not a professional footballer on 120 grand a week, so I'm willing to let it, let it slide. You can't come out and say those things in a, on a public forum and then not deliver. And then I think I'm right in saying that he told someone to fuck off on Twitter and then deleted his account. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But he definitely deleted his account. Um, and then he's come out again yesterday. He said this, you know, we weren't hungry enough, which I think was a slip of the tongue, but it was an absolutely baffling thing to say. And it wasn't taken out of context because on the pitch, the performance was was terrible. Now, against Bournemouth, we lost 1-0. We were awful. It was his fault for the goal. And against Everton, we had a chance to go 3-1 up on the stroke of half time and he missed a pen. Now, two penalties yesterday went down the middle and the keeper moved. But the way he struck it, you know, a five-year-old could have saved it. And also, apparently, Jordan Pickford's come out and said, when we were on England duty, James Madison asked me where, um, you know, where goalkeepers don't like penalties going. And he told me he always goes down the middle. And I remembered that. How the fuck did he not remember that? It, it's, it's honestly staggering. Now, I like Madison. He's our best player. He's been our best player for probably the best part of two years. He's going to go and play for a bigger club and earn lots of money. But for God's sake, just shut up on social media. Someone at the club should be saying, James, shut it. Don't rise to it. And that, that's where these young lads haven't got that. They, they need that advice. And I, I, don't, I don't agree with he doesn't care. I think he does care. And I think he cares 
both about the club that gave him his opportunity, but like you say, both about that and himself and where his next move is going to be and how he's portrayed in the press. Um, but ultimately, you have to do the talking on the pitch with your feet. And he's arguably cost us two of the most important games of the season. Now, I don't want to level that all on him, but just don't come out and, and keep digging a hole for yourself um, on social media. Because it, like you said, Rick, it's almost like we had the audacity to question the players. You know, this will be fine is what he said. If we play like that, we'll be fine. Well, we're not fine. We're down. Um, and we haven't, I mean, what game was that? We actually played quite well. I think it was Southampton, that game. We played quite yeah, well. Probably deserved, yeah. We deserved a point or three points out of the game. If Kel had finished his chances, we'd have won that. But since then, we've been appalling, really. Um, uh, and I, I do think he does care. He's not going to be here next season. The argument where you say players don't care, I agree. If you look at Pratt, fucking hell, what a waste of a shirt. He he should never... Well, he's not going to play for Leicester City again. The bloke's a disgrace. Yeah, I was going to jump, jump in there. I, I, I did. I, I mentioned this to Jack during the game. I did Pratt watch yesterday. Um, and it was quite literally... Pratt watch the guy could not care less. He doesn't he really, give a shit. He couldn't. He doesn't want to play um, in that position, um, and he no. doesn't want to play for the football club. And um, I've not rewatched the highlights back, but um, anything that basically came down that right hand side with basically on the right hand side, you had Tielemans on the right of the three, and then Castagna and, and Dennis Pratt. N- none of them were, were closing and pressing and, and, and playing with any kind of urgency or desire whatsoever and, and and honestly Pratt was the worst um he genuinely was he and but it's been clear for a long time he doesn't want to be here and it's mm. it's a shame because we spoke about on the back end of last week's podcast and the arguments of why you would play him because he is a good footballer but the problem is that at, at this stage of a season it's it's not about quality anymore because if it was about quality then we wouldn't be in the relegation zone would we it's clearly about much bigger problems than that and that's why I said well at least put people in who give a crap which, you know, Papi Mendy, now in hindsight, was showing like he gave a crap, but has been dropped. Harry Souter, um, for me, was looking almost like captain material. If you if you go back to that Brentford game. Souter's captain next season for me. Yeah, Souter's now out of the side. Um, Paps and Dacker is pure chaos. And you, everyone knows I've criticised him at the course of the season. But he is showing like he gives a crap. And same with Jewsbury Hall. You Even know, and- Tate when he came on. Tate exactly. was all right yesterday. So it's now no longer about how good they are at football, because if it was about that, then we wouldn't be where we are in the first place. It's now about who gives a crap. And, you know, again, there was there was Sumari bottling out of a 50-50 challenge. And I think it's the Willian goal where it comes from in the first place, where it's it's down the far end where, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not like a howler in terms of, you know, what on earth are you doing? But it's like he could have stopped that if he'd thrown his body and either taken a yellow card or, just, or, or gone for the tackle, but he didn't. Um, and he does he does sprint back, but he doesn't get there. But that comes from him in the sense of if that was someone else or if this was, as, I don't know, it just feels like I've just seen it so many times before for me not to get annoyed by that. Um, and yeah, Jordan, sorry to jump in there. But yeah, I just thought that the desire, I was watching certain players and there were certain players yesterday who didn't give a crap. And then you've got other ones on the bench, you're thinking, well, yeah, they might not be as good at football, but they, they were showing like they cared more. And, and that's what I want. And that's what we all want. Uh, I have one point to slightly build on that, Jake. It's related, but not related. But how many of our players fall over 
and it happens at home and away, and the opposition Incredible. don't fall over at all. It is remarkable. They all fall over. I so think they've all got vertigo. It's bananas. Um, I, 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 that was one thing yesterday if we were watching. I think in the first 30 minutes, five of our players slipped down and the pitch wasn't even wet. There we go. Jordan, you've got something. Uh, well, I'm just going just gonna to build on what, what Jake said. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to single out particular individuals that don't, don't want to be here. Um, I love Castagna and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tielemans. And I, I'm, again, I'm reluctant to slag Tielemans off because he scored some screamers this season that have got his points and his goal won his FA Cup. Jake mentioned there was a, a, a trifactor of trifecta, whatever you call it, um, of Belgians on that right hand side. Well, they're, they're all obviously, there's a little click there of the Belgians. There's four um, of them, actually. Cause well, the on them. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they weren't having the manager. But th- this, the Pratt situation just highlights the, the complete ineptitude of the board and not necessarily the manager. But Rogers said he didn't want Pratt. Pratt went to Torino, he didn't want to be here. And then he comes back, and then Rogers says, Oh, he's, he's going to be integral to us. And then he started him once or twice and he barely, barely played. Well, if the manager's saying he's not going to be here, why on earth are the board get, uh, not selling him? <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. Mel, doing me. He's doing his best to annoy me, I think. Um, and, and that's, you know, before... Um, before we come on to Rick's point, which I, I'm looking forward yeah, for to. Those, for it? those listening, George's dad just keeps appearing in the background. That <laughs> bloke's doing my head in. Um, but yeah, like it, Pratt is, is a clear example of he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't want to be here. He, for a man who uh, gets injured getting out of bed, he don't go into tackles because he don't want to get injured. And, uh, you know, you say like Madison does, he, he does care. You can see he cares. I'd like to think Barnes cares because he came through the academy. I'd like to think KDH cares and Thomas for the same reason. But someone like Pratt doesn't give a fuck. He just doesn't. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a fair comment. And I'm not going to waste my breath on Sumari. Um, whoever told me that he was a, a £30 million player and he's on hundred grand a week is <laughs> just... You can shove your coaching badges up your arse because... I mean, that's absolutely baffling. Right. Are we ready? Yeah, I, I think we've been waiting for this, Rick. I don't know, don't know what's about to happen, but... No, I'm just going to build on the anger that's burning inside me. So I'll go back to what George was just alluding to several minutes ago about, you know the players caring or not caring or this malaise that they're in. You know, a few months ago, our owner genuinely was livid that the fans dared question the board or question the club. He was there shaking his head. And yet here we are several months later and we're, we're gone. You know, he acted too late. Now, we can argue till the cows come home whether it's all Brendan Rodgers' fault. Me, who's probably one of, been one of the most vitriolic about Brendan, it's not all his fault. At the end of the day, he wasn't the one that was making the decision whether he should carry on as manager or not. He was he was desperate to leave. He didn't want to be here all season. He'd run his course. 
a manager of his quality, he knows when the time's to get out, when you no longer can affect change. But that was a long time you ago. You just described Brendan Rodgers as quality. You're feeling I, all right. Hey, Brendan, the first two and a half years, Brendan Rodgers was unbelievable. You know that. Mate, you can... It's not mutually exclusive. You can praise Brendan Rodgers for what he did for the first two and a half years and then slag him off for how shit he's been. You don't have to look back and say, be careful what you wish for or it weren't as bad. It's a complete separate ends of the spectrum. He's a good, he's a quality coach, but he's also an irritating little hermit and the players will have switched off to him. And this is what I keep going on about. And he's been allowed to carry on and Top's there shaking his head thinking, but, you know, the way that he treated Dennis Pratt, he didn't want him. So he shipped him off to Torino. Then he comes back and then he's expected to get a tune out of him. All these players that are running their contracts down. Now, players can run their contracts down and in that their final season before they depart, they can still put a shift in. But it's all about the, the manager being, and the, the coaching staff being able to get that out of them. There's none of that going on at Leicester City because it's only human nature that they're probably switching off a little bit into protection mode. You need a manager that you can basically be receptive to. And we haven't had that. Now, is that Brendan's fault? Some of it is because he's made his bed and he's had to lie in it. But other times, it they should have got rid of him and they didn't. And this is why we are in the mess we are in. But let's move on to why we're in the mess. Let's move on to the other fucking idiots, yeah? Yeah? Come on. The ones that will still be here when we're in the championship, when we spend all summer literally living. I'm going to have to look after my kids all summer, fuming, taking them down the park, taking them skegnets, <laughs> taking them fucking wacky warehouse. <laughs> And deep down, part of me is still going to be livid and I'm not going to be present. And people will say, you're a bad dad. And yes, maybe I'm going to be a bad dad, but I'm a human being that's affected by this. Our lives are on the line here and we've got our souls, right, that aren't performance measured. They're too busy having one up on each other. I've heard, and I don't know how true this is, there's been no communication when we were trying to recruit a new manager. You know, some of the board were going off trying to speak to other to some candidates and others were speaking to others. I mean, what's that all about? This is the, the fucking mess we're in. So here's a massive fuck you to whoever decided to get rid of Dave Rennie, whoever appointed Lee Congerton, fuck you, whoever appointed Brian English, fuck you. He was gone within a year. Whoever was responsible for the wage bill Increasing from 100 million to 180 million. Fuck you. Whoever decided to not let us sign anyone this summer, but also not accept any bids for our fringe players. Fuck you. Not bringing in a set piece coach for over a year. Fuck you. Not sacking Brendan Rogers for months when everyone could see it. Fuck you. <laughs> then, despite all of this, despite the fact that we were supposedly in a mess financially, FFP, all of that, couldn't sign anyone. On transfer deadline day in January, and this quote has come from journalists at Leeds, 
We supposedly offered Jack Harrison £100,000 a week. Fuck you. Alex Smith is sat on, not even on the bench, sixty grand a week. Fuck you. Are you reading these? Gonna... Hey? Alex Smith is not <laughs> 60 grand a week, is he? He's on about 35, isn't he? I mean, well, it's still whatever. About... It's still whatever. <laughs> Wait to hear what George okay, Hurst is. The there's, un- there's 100 million pounds worth of talent going to walk away for free in the summer. Fuck you. <laughs> Seagrave. The injury record. Our He's academy relegated. All injured. Fuck you. And they get a day off, mate. Pay pay £100 million for training ground and get a day off. Exactly. Loans up to our eyeballs on TV money until God knows when. Fuck you. All of you. Bollocks. And I tell you another thing. Them arseholes, right, that say we're a yo-yo club and this is just... So be it. Leicester are going down. No! No, 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 no. I'll come around your house, honestly, and I'll creep into your garden and I'll splatter spaghetti hoops up your washing. Bollocks are we a yo-yo club. Not where we've been. Not these last 10 years. Bollocks. What happened 100 years ago, 20 years ago, makes no difference to where we are now. I'm sorry. It ain't good enough. Some of these need to be held accountable. At least come out and say sorry. And they won't. None of them will come and do an interview. None of them. John Ruckin will never do an interview. Susan Whelan will never do an interview. None of them. We will. <laughs> what, what kind of spaghetti hoops would you throw at the wall, Rick? Mm, good question, Jack. The watery ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, at least we've got the name of the podcast now. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how to follow that, Rick, but no. you did put up some stuff about wages earlier today. Yes. Um, I don't know how accurate they are, but often they're not that far off. Mm. Um, well, we, well, we do know, don't we, from we published total, reports yeah. that we ha- that what the total is and what um, the average wage is. So, yeah, you can yeah. Um, kind can of debate, yeah. you know, whether someone's on 60 or, or, or 80, but yeah, um, they're, they're, I think they're relatively accurate, yeah. Anyway, so I've looked at them, and honestly, we've had agents have had us over a barrel. Ricardo, hundred and twenty grand a week, supposedly. Yeah, but and, and I said about, at the time we should be giving a new contract. We gave him a five-year contract because he just scored a goal against West Ham, mm. and he's made of not even paper something weaker than that. I mean, great footballer, but paid far too much. No one else is going to pay him that much, by the way. James Justin, equally, I mean, if he's not made of paper, he's made of, I don't know, Rick, think of an analogy for me, um, 100 grand a week. Again, you know, it, it's, I said earlier, it's like, you know, employing a CEO of your company, paying them 2 million quid a year and giving them 36 weeks paid sick leave a year. It, it's just nonsense decision making. Yeah. You've got people like Sumari on 83. I mean, Alex Smithy's on... 35 grand a week, he wouldn't make that in the championship and he's barely a championship goalkeeper. Mm. I'm scarred by the summer because Owen um, from Radio Leicester, blessed him, tweeted when George Hurst agreed a new contract that, you know, you'll see more of this from the club. We gave him a new four-year contract and he's on over a million quid a year. Yeah, scored like, seven not, seven goals on those. He's not even a championship year. player. And by yeah. the way, you know, Hamza, who we could have let walk away for free because he's on a load of money, we extended his for a year. 
Yeah, so we've got 60 a year of, grand. We've got a year of Hamza next year patrolling the midfield. Like it it is staggering what we pay some of our players. And you look at you look at what other clubs are doing. I mean, Wolves are miles, miles down. And Wolves have been up there as a football club for the last few years. I mean, they've got players like Nevers that you know should command you know high fees and stuff. But I mean, agents have just done us all over. I mean, but they we must they must love dealing with us because it doesn't even look like we negotiate. Well, yeah, well, just this, ask this, for it. This this is the the thing with, with lots of them. Well, you can, you can look through it right, and you know players like Madison, um, Barnes, Tielemans, Vardy. The reality is, is that if we didn't pay them that salary, they could have got it elsewhere. Yeah, but, fair enough. Uh, but at the time that we gave Ricardo Pereira a new contract, he'd already had two really serious injuries and it was clear that he was past his best. So at that point, you either kind of look to move him on or you give him a new contract on reduced terms for maybe a couple of years. But Leicester gave him a pay rise and a five-year deal when nobody, no football club in their right mind anywhere else would have offered him similar terms. So in terms of you know a bargaining position, they they had none, yet we gave them exactly what they wanted and probably more so. And you can look through so then many more of those players. James Justin, if it is correct that he's on around £100,000 a week, there is no Premier League club which would offer him that kind of money. Now, at some point, you know, he may be worth that. He's still young and he's he's had some really horrible injuries. But, you know, again, you look at Jewsbury Hall at, at £75,000 a week. And again, you know, we can't be 100% sure how correct these are. Now, last season, on the basis of what we saw, young player of the year, players player of the year, at one point, maybe he could be worth that kind of money. But again, seven, nobody... Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But again, nobody is coming in to try buy Jewsbury Hall, you know, for, for £30 million and going to offer him £75,000 a week. So why are we giving these contracts out to these players? And you look through that entire list, and, and that's the problem. It's the players where we didn't have to offer them that money. You know, yeah, extend their, their contracts to protect them as an asset. But the salaries we were handing out are absolutely eye-watering. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually sickening to read. Um, and I just hope and pray um, that there are relegation clauses in their contracts. Now, I believe that pretty much it's standard for, for all Premier League players that you do have one in there. Um, I'm just hoping and praying that, that we do, because if, um, if we're stuck with players on those kind of contracts in the championship, then, um, I mean, they're not going anywhere, are they? They're going to sit there and, and take that money. You can't blame them. It's not their fault. The club has been so stupid to hand out them contracts. You, you say that, Jake. Um, that was a point I was going to make, that there should be a relegation clause in there. It's fairly standard. We're talking about Leicester City here. Yeah. And, and the ineptitude at board level and and some of the, the club staff. You know, you use the words eye-watering, sickening. Exactly the words I, I would use. Lee Congerton was at Sunderland and Jack Rodwell was on at least 50 grand a week in League One. It was like 80. Uh, eight, well, there you go, 80 grand a week. I mean, mm. you, you know these agents who come to, to, to the, the club and how, how these deals are done and say, you know, Jewsbury Hall's a great example. I'd like him to stay next season. Um, also think he should be in the team because we're missing his energy, but that's a, a separate point. But he's come out of the academy. He's 24-25. As far as I'm aware, nobody else wants him. Certainly not at Premier League level. No. Where the fuck are we getting 75 grand a week from? That's what I'm saying. For, for a I'm squad saying. player who's come out of the academy, it's absolutely 
baffling that is. Yeah. And I'm sorry for a bargaining position. We, we just we just turn around and say, no, we'll give you 50 because, you know, he's yeah. not going to get more than that anywhere else, is he? I'm sorry to use him as an example because he's an honest player and I, and I really like him. And then, you know, I can understand when he likes a Madison on a hundred grand a week plus, but I mean, Evans is another one, always injured. Pereira, yeah. like you say, always injured. If Justin's on that, I can't believe it, that that's true. Always injured. If the agent is saying, well, he won't sign it, well, don't fucking sign it then and leave. Yeah, Or exactly. what in the reserves, mate? It's up to mm. you. Um and like I said about, you know, Samari, it, who on earth is looking at him thinking, he's 80 grand a week worth. Bertrand, uh, we'll give you 80 grand a week. So, and the, so the apparently on, that, Bert, on Bertrand, right, they were going to give him a year. Two weeks before he was going to sign, his agent comes back and goes, no, he wants four years. There you so go. We, gave, we, gave him two, we gave him two with an option of a third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the, the ironic thing about these contracts is the reason we got rid of Casper is because his wages were too high and he wanted a two-year yeah. deal and we'd only give him one. So yeah. we're playing hardball with Casper, but, but nobody else. But the, the one thing that I really can't get my head around with these contracts is there's seven out of contract this summer. There's eight the following summer. How on earth have you sat down looking at a squad thinking, right, we'll have half of them, we'll have half the contracts to 2023 and after contracts to 2024, has it not dawned on them that they could all leave at the same time or all leave within the space of one, one season? Why don't, they, why, don't they, why don't they stagger them out? It just do, like, oh, your contract ends March 2023. Your contract ends September 2023. Your mm. contract ends January 2024. No, it's like a hard and fast, this is, what, this is when it's got to be. Yeah, and obviously, and obviously, none of them players now who are out of contract the following year, they're not going to sign any contracts this coming summer, are they? Because you no. know, even if we stay in the Premier League, they're going to want to at least see what position we are in the Premier League in six months' time. Or if the, in the Championship, they're not going to sign a contract extension. So whatever situation we're in right now, and this is what the, the point I made earlier on in terms of if we go down, it's not going to be a bounce-back situation. Whatever situation we're in right now in regards to these contracts, we're in the exact same one Again, in 12 months' time, irrespective yeah. of what division we're in, it's a complete and utter shit show. It yeah, really we need, is. We, all those players that are out of contract in a year need to go as well. You're not going to sign go. Yeah, you, you, you have to... Uh, and we, can't, got... we can't keep holding out for high fees because we're a club that sells players for a lot of money because it doesn't work as a strategy. It's like, it's not even a strategy. It's just something you believe in your head. Well, we've got, we've got seven out of contract this year. So like you say, Jack, and, and Jake, that those eight players are just going to do the exact same yeah. as these seven have done. Tielemans is a great example. As far as I'm aware, no one's actually made a bid for him. So he's thinking, well, I'm just going to sit on me on me hundred grand a week for two or three years and wind this down. And then when I go on a free, then I'll look at, you know, I'll take the signing on fee from whoever's given me a contract that yeah. the club Leicester won't get. And I'll just wind it down. I mean, I don't know where he's going to end up because... I don't know who wants him. But you can't blame these players. Soon choose them the exact same. I mean, they're all at it. And the other thing that really is just staggering is 80% of our revenue, 220 million, 180 million quid quid's worth goes on players' wages. Well, that's not sustainable in the top flight with the TV money, let alone when you're going down, taking out a loan against an Australian bank when all your parachute payments are going to evaporate down under, that it doesn't work in the prem, let alone when you go down. 
I mean, it's it's baffling. It's beyond it's beyond comprehension how inept that is, and how no one in that who, who operates a Premier League football club has got the foresight to even see that. And, and the and other George, thing, sorry, go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, like, just to reiterate what I'd said earlier. You know, despite all of that, what's gone on? You know, six months ago, a year ago. Despite all of that, you know, in January we were either in the relegation zone or perilously close to it. And at that point, the penny must have dropped, having seen what we went through in the summer where we struggled. That you know, there is a there is a good chance we're going down, or we need to plan and start being a bit more frugal. And on transfer deadline day, we offer some complete Norris hundred bags a week. There's that's why. You know, the relegation wage cuts, there won't be any. Or if they are, it'll be like five quid off, 100 grand a week. <laughs> There'll be nothing. This is why. Like, we are in for hell on earth. This is like, honestly, we are in for it. You just know it because they won't have. That's why they're shaking their head. That's why they're exasperated with us because they genuinely just didn't see this coming. Even if we somehow raise some money that might put us together a squad, where's the leadership for all that to happen? Because we're going to see 20 players come and go. Or they need to, to raise the funds. It's just going to be bedlam and not in a good way. And, um, and you're going to have to act very quickly. I was saying to Jake on the way in last night, what I don't so we go down in the summer. I don't want Madison, Barnes, whoever else we're selling, turning up on the first day of pre-season no. with with transfer speculation over their head. No. Just need to get them out quickly. And if it means Do you an shave, yeah, exactly. If you shave whatever whatever they think the players are worth, first bid done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, do it like a, it, it's gonna need to be a fire sale because we're talking about a club that it took us six months to get a work permit for a set piece coach. So heaven knows how we're going to sign more than one. And and Rick, I know you you'll be doing your nut in the summer with that much. You know the transfer for. I can't be asked, mate. Won't. I won't. I can't be asked. I've sport it. Literally, <laughs> mate. I feel sick. Honestly, looking looking on transfer market and all the places I go and do my research. No, it's like looking at the menu at Sean. I, I could be sick, mate. Honestly, fuck it. No. <laughs> um, I've got one more. I do want to talk about Smith, but it, I mean, it's already been over an hour and we're not even halfway through, I don't think. But are, are, we, do, are we doing a quiz, by the way? Are we doing we, a quiz? We can, we can say the, the quiz can be done at any time. I can, talk, okay. I can talk you through why I think the quiz is funny just to like build some anticipation because... It was a very calamitous quiz, but it was an exceptional quiz. So, is it is it worthwhile doing tonight? No, we can do it another occasion. Basically, okay. after the game last night, I went drinks for a curry. Six. Yeah, drink drinks at six. The quiz starts at seven. I went drinks for a curry with the, the lot I went to Rome with, which includes my dad and James and all that lot. Yeah. So, you can imagine it, it went off. Um, but anyway, Andrew, who was with us, and uh, had written a quiz. And um, I'll, I'll cut this out the out the round, but he did um, from the 2001, 2002, uh, two, 2021, 2022 season, he did the scorers of the 9-0 win against Southampton, which I'm sure you boys know. Can you, look, can you name them? 
Chilwell, Vardy, Perez, Madison, and Barnes, Taylorman's. Taylorman's correct, Rick. Anyway, so we all got. Oh, that so I was wrong again. Fuck you. Yeah. Don't <laughs> this. this is recent stuff. But anyway, anyway, right. So he then goes. What was the biggest win and the biggest defeat that season in the same season? I've got one on the Suez Canal. <laughs> <laughs> right. So rather than the biggest win being Southampton, the 9-0, which he just referenced, he put 5-0 down at Newcastle. <laughs> I mean, it's it's unbelievable to think we were fucking pummeling sides 9 and 5-0 oh, to start with. I know. Yeah. Biggest, biggest loss from that season? Can you remember that one? No. Man, oh, if you the... remind me, but yeah, I can't remember it, no. 4-1? 4-1, Man City. No. That was 3-1 Man City. Was it? Oh. Yeah, you're close. You Two days earlier. Two oh, days Liverpool, 3-0. Liverpool, was it? 4-0, was it? Oh, yeah, I got it, yeah. Correct. Anyway, but anyway, I think we'll do a big end-of-season quiz from the last 15 years, and I'll actually put the right answers in. Hmm. And uh, we're going to do an alternative end-of-season awards ceremony as, oh, wait, as you well. Said I wasn't, you said I wasn't allowed to do that. No, there yeah, was... We can't be negative. You no, said, no, you, you no, said I, Mandry, mates and men's mental health. Yes, I did when, say that. Yeah, because um, no, so it's it's the Talk Norwich City podcast. They're doing like the worst top, uh, worst, worst five, five players, players to ever play for the club. And I do generally, I do discourage that because I don't think um, it's particularly fair. Because no, as I said, nobody deliberately is shit. Um, so no, we should do an alternative uh, end of season award. So you can do things like you know, you know. Who's Worst more haircut. likely to wear Union Jack shorts on holiday? Exactly. Random that's stuff def- like that. definitely Rick. Rick would yeah. definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. so, so stuff like that, which isn't just completely digging out um, players for being crap because, um, you know, you can do crap performances, but digging out individuals, I think, is just a little bit yeah, no, too far. Personally. I hope Norwich ain't going to add Darren Eady on then because he'll more than happy get to turn on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan, do you want to go back to whatever you were going to say about Dean Smith, mate? Yeah, I mean, it can't, It kind of probably loses its relevance a bit now. But I've said before on the, the contract situation, after the FA Cup win, um, we, we were playing in Europe. I think it's, it's fair that you reward players, you know, with what they deserve. But to Rick's point earlier, once that starts going wrong, you need a fucking manager that's, that's, gonna, that's not going to put up with it. And, you know, I, I back Rodgers. I still... Think if Rogers was here now, I think we'd be in a better position. Um, I think Smith's come in and he's had a bit of a hospital pass, but I think we've, since Rogers has gone, one win in seven. Villa and Bournemouth would Bournemouth was probably the worst display I've seen in, in the Premier League. Um, well, since we came back up, and then we got one point from Leeds, one point from Everton. Um, and th- what worries me about Smith is, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm a fan of the bloke, but yeah. Um, what he said after Everton said we said something like we knew we were poor, but there's more to come. Well, the game later we're three 0 down at half time, and he says after all oh, that shocked us a bit. Well, a week ago you said there's more to come, and we were even worse the following week. So, and his midfield selection was just absolutely baffling. How you can have two blokes who play centre mid that can't run, and a defence that hasn't kept a clean sheet since before the World Cup. And I know 
again, Rick's mentioned it, saying this is Peter Taylor stuff. I think it's even worse because this squad is a seventh highest wage bill in the country, and these records are worse than under Taylor. I think that it's the the worst run we've been on since ninety four ninety five in the Prem. Well, that was the first team to come up, and it, and obviously the money wasn't the same because the Premier League was in its infancy back then. Um, and I, I just I, I think tactically Smith is. I mean, he's got a hospital pass, but from what I've seen, hmm. I don't think he's up to the, the standard. Um, and some of the stuff he's, he's said has concerned me. So we, I think we're going to go down looking like we need to shift minimum 10 to 15 players out, get 10 to 15 players in with a board that ain't got a clue and no manager. So yeah. <laughs> if, if there's any modicum of comfort, yeah. and uh, I think it's the first time I've used modicum, and I modicum think modicum is a great is, word. I it, use it all think, the time now. I think it's used on this podcast regularly. We're not going to have to get Dean Smith <clears throat> haircuts, but <clears throat> Jordan, on, on that point, um, on, on Dean Smith, I think it's absolutely fair because I really like him as a bloke, and I think we all have. Um, but I do think you also then need to take a step back and you know and call it as it is. And I thought that. At Brentford, he did a good job, but the reality is he left the club. Thomas Frank came in and did a better one. Mm. At Aston Villa, he, that squad he had was just... It, it was a, a, They were playing like three times more than any other championship club were. And even then, they only just managed to get promoted. He then only came them up, kept them up in, in the Premier League by the skin of their teeth. If you remember, that was the season where the it was the mm. Nyland, the goalkeeper, takes the ball over uh, the line against Sheffield United and VAR didn't work. And uh, Villa stayed up by a point. Um, so Argu could have gone down then. He then leaves, goes Norwich, and has a bit of a disaster there as, as well. I know it's not always as, as straightforward as this, but um, also then if you look at the, the Leicester performances, the Man City game, we, we lose with 3-0 downing incredibly quickly. The points against Leeds and Everton, whilst they were kind of entertaining and there were um, positives within that, that was during a period where everyone was spanking Everton and Leeds and we were the only teams that didn't. And then that performance against Fulham is is arguably the the worst of the season, or, or certainly going four 0 down was was absolutely hopeless. So um, whilst I do think Dean is a, a nice bloke, a solid bloke, I don't think tactically is he's at the required level for for Leicester in terms of whether even, even if we're in, in the Championship or, or or not. And I mean, I suppose we are probably at that point now where we start we, we start talking about if we are in the Championship when we are in the Championship, who is going to manage the football club because Here it's. McKenna. It's because it's not going to be, you know, Graham Potter, is it? So those conversations no. can stop. And, you know, of what we've seen, I think we can all probably agree it's not going to be Graham, um, Graham, uh, Dean Smith. No, let's hope it's not. Rick, do you want to talk about Russell Martin? Well, I just, you know, there's an article come out over the weekend that Russell Martin would be our number one choice, but only if we go down. I mean, I'd rather have Ricky Martin, I think. He just screams no. He's like a car, he's a cardboard cutout of Brendan Rodgers in a bloody syrup. His hair don't look right for me. And I know he's got a full head of hair that I can only dream of. But no, <laughs> not having it. He's one of those notepadders, chap lips, I suspect, or, or something <laughs> of the sort. 80% possession. No. And, you know, he seems to be have a masterclass in not achieving anything. I know Jake said he did quite a good job at MK Dons and Swansea. But, OK, talk, <laughs> how did he do a good job I at will. MK Dons? 
Um, they were incredibly close to to getting promoted from League One. The following season, they get relegated. Um, you know, he he went to to Swansea um, during a period where they're having the the budgets cut and slashed year after year. And in in the end, this you know, genuinely it, sounds like early days, Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it does, and he is incredibly similar in League One. MK Dons finished nineteenth and thirteenth. Not under Ross and Martin. Yeah, well, unless Wikipedia's pulling pisses, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, he did I'm a great ex- job at MK. Hence, hence, he got the job at, at Swansea. He's not getting that job there. Um, but look, it then took ages to, to get it going at, at Swansea. But eventually, they were actually quite unlucky to miss out on the playoffs. Look, I can understand the, the concerns about him. And, um, wow. And, yeah, oh. I, can un- I, I can understand why people would be hugely excited by the appointment. But... Um, I can also understand the thinking behind it, and look, you know, <laughs> he's got a haircut like Jordan. That's he, all he, I can say about him. He was one yeah, of them. But it's not as good as, as well. George. It's not. He's not as good. He no. looks but like when, it's sprayed on. <laughs> when when <laughs> Russell when Russell was at, at Norwich, he was the club captain. Do you there know for him, years. Jay? Do you know? Yeah, him? I do. You, I do. Yeah, you're big. No, here, here we go. go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> No, but look, I'm I'm not a Norwich fan. I, I can just say I can from from a standpoint of I know the guy, and he was one of them them players that you knew was going to be a manager. Like, and I, I was incredibly surprised that when Norwich got rid of Daniel Farker, they didn't go for Russell Martin. And I said at the start of the season that that Russell Martin will end up being a Premier League manager, and I've I've always thought, and I still think he will do. Not with um, us, he won't. Well, I mean, whether it's this season in, or in five years' time with someone else, I do genuinely believe that Russell Martin will be a Premier League manager. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit surprised at the negativity towards him. I think you almost feel like you're scarred from Brendan Rodgers and you're just worried you're going to have someone similar in terms of the, the way that he talks. Yeah. And you're, you're so conscious of that that you're, you're not giving the bloke a chance. And I think, well, actually, well, he's a young, good manager with an ideology and a, and a clear identity of playing football. And it's kind of working for him. He is also a vegan. I need to see a bit more success. Yeah, he is a vegan, correct. Yeah, Yeah, and he he, he suffers from bowel problems. So, you know... Get him in! Get him on the pod! (laughs) Love him! No, I mean, I I quite like the bloke. (laughs) I'd like to say, in all seriousness, I'd like to say a bit more... you know, yes, we are a disgrace and we're going down and we're going to be a complete (laughs) calamity. But if you're going to get a new manager in, at championship, you're going to want someone who's had a little bit of a snifter at getting in the playoffs before promotion, done something. Now, yeah, they've they've had about a nine-game unbeaten run and they've missed that on playoffs by three points, I think. But I don't know. You're the only you're the only sort of positive thing I've read, Jake. I've read, mm. I was looking into it. And Swansea fan said he polarised his opinion. But he, he flatters to deceive, and I'm I am I'm scarred by that seventy percent possession. If it works, hmm. fine. But you need you've got to have a promotion under your belt or something. No. Right. So don't know who I'd bring him. Kieran McKenna, as uh, Jack said, he'd be. I like Kieran good. McKenna. Yeah. I didn't I'm know. Who Kieran, I don't know. I didn't know who he was until about three months ago, and then <laughs> someone said the manager at Ipswich is quite good, and it, so he was. He was in Ole's back, uh, backroom staff. I think he's been at Spurs, Man U, and then he's taken over Ipswich. They've won everything. He born in London, very strange Northern Irish accent. I heard him do a few interviews earlier today. He talked about the fans, talked about us, and he's got side promoted. 
that'll do for me. But he wouldn't come now, would he? After what, this why would he come? Promoted? He would he, if we're down. If we're and he goes to the championship. We, yeah, I mean, we'll probably pay him as much as Jack Harrison and give him a seven-year contract. He'll come. Yeah, yeah, he would. All right, and, I, and I'm sorry, like it, it, Ipswich, without sounding, but Leicester will be a big draw in the championship. But Ipswich, I don't think, I don't know whether it was. Although they have got plenty of money behind them now, so. Mm. But if we've got any chance of getting him, I would, I would have a crack. I am. Um... I have been reminded several times that I bet a few people that we'd finish above Newcastle. <laughs> Did uh, you? How, how much yeah, do we need to do a crowdfund? Yeah, yeah, I might have to run another bloody marathon. I think. <laughs> money, but um, I'd be interested to see next season if McKenna stays at Ipswich. I think they could finish above us. Yeah. I I don't see. We've gone from talking about Graham Potter and other decent managers and having a decent manager. Um, to talking about people that have got Ipswich up or who manage Swansea City and Middlesbrough. No disrespect to those clubs, but I mean, who's going to want to come here with this project that we've got? Projects, that's a fucking loose term. People who like um, money, Jordan. <laughs> yes, but how much money are we going to have? Oh, we'll, still, we'll still dish it out until we go bust, which will, <laughs> won't be too long, I would have thought, but they'll still do it because they won't learn. They won't swallow their pride. Ignorant, clueless. Calamitous prats. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what else do you want to do? Are we, can we, we're not doing the quiz. Are we doing who are you? Because we're an hour and a half in. It's time for who are you, isn't it? Surely. Has anyone? Is anyone in charge? Does anyone know they're in charge? It can't be me because I I was well, last week. I did last week. I don't mind doing another one if you give me two minutes to talk amongst yourselves. I'll pull one out. Right, okay. <laughs> I've got one, if not. Okay, go. Go on, Rick. You go. Yeah? Okay. i just got to call up the facts, but I thought about it early in the week. Give me two secs. Get the file of facts out. Okay, well, I will play the music while Rick gets that ready. Who is your daddy? And what does he do? Who are you? You. No, not me, you. Yes, I am you. Just answer the damn questions. Who are you? Wait a minute. Who are you? Oh, dear me. I'm generally very tired now. Um, so, <laughs> this, I think the last thing of the podcast is, and I don't want to talk about Liverpool. Rick, take over, my friend. Are you ready? I am ready. Although the problem is because I'm on my phone, I'm having to flick between screens. But yeah, okay. First one then, yeah? You ready? Yeah. He was born on the 17th of October, 1978, in Edmonton, Canada. Lars Hirschfield. Hirschfield. Yeah. That is, isn't it? That is, isn't it? Is that it? Yeah. 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 I was literally about to say the same thing. You, you put that in the WhatsApp group like yesterday. No, that was, Paul Hyde. that was Paul Hyde. That was Paul he, Hyde. He is in the WhatsApp group. I'm sure of it. Well, no. Jordan, you, Jordan, with all due respect, you wouldn't have got it anyway. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. But I'm I would have. It. I was about to <laughs> say it. I'm, I'm, I'm in FIFA Fair Play. I'm interested, interested in fair competition. <laughs> He only made no, one appearance for Leicester as well. Yeah, there's not many Canadian goalkeepers, are there? 
Um, I didn't say goalkeeper. Yeah, I know, but I know he was at Spurs. I, I, mate, I was there that Jack got there first. Oh, he was answering, he well, yeah, was I mean, we, the we've quiz had... last night. Was, oh, was he? Oh. Yeah, he wasn't answering the quiz last night. So, fixed. Oh. I mean, out of curiosity, Jack, we wrapped your... that up a bit quicker than usual. Yeah. <laughs> was your was your one also Lars Hirschfield? Uh, yeah, it might have been actually. <laughs> Not to think of it, I think that was the player I was going to think of. Or Carla Kimi was the other one. We've had him. Yeah, we've had Carla Kimi. Have, have, have we had because the other one I can't do. Is no, Paul Hyde you guessed Paul it. Paul Hyde did. Paul Hyde did play for the club, but there are no records of him playing for the club. That's bizarre, isn't it? It's really weird. And he's got it from those clues. Yeah. Well done. Right. I'm absolutely exhausted, boys. Um, do we all feel better? Rick, do you feel better? I think you broke um, the record for the most amount of use yeah, <laughs> ever, I, ever said on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't apologise for what I've said because, you know, it's it's honest. I'm honest as the day's long. Um, what I do want to say one the final podcast thing. long. Well, yeah, I, I do think I am mildly to blame for all of this, right? <laughs> Go on. So, in 2016, my son was born and we went on to win the league, right? And then mm. lock, lockdown it, when we're that, four years later, and I was fed up with Zoom quizzes and really queuing on the website of B&Q to order something I didn't need. So I ended up getting the missus one and um, Darcy turned up and we won the FA Cup. And then at the start of this season, I had the snip and we're on the verge of relegation. So I can't help feeling I'm partly to blame here. So all that vitriol that's coming out of my garby yeah. is just self-loathing. I know it's me. I hope you're proud of yourself, mate. When, I you, am. Look your, what when you look in your yeah. children's eyes. Like you are, yeah. Well, yeah. I, to make you feel better, Rick, we um we have started a podcast in the season that we're going to get relegated. I've cut my hair, and we've been shit ever since. And all season, I said we'll be fine, and then the, the number ten comes out and tweets we'll be fine, and then we're going down. So I take some blame as well. Well, I also moved back to Leicester this season, and now we're shit. So I feel like I should take some blame for that as well. Oh, I feel like I need to take some blame for something now. What can you blame me for? You had a tuna and beetroot sandwich and it was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't That's this decent. good, though, to unload and share our the pain and anguish? Because one thing I will say is they won't break us, them fucking idiots. They won't. We'll still mm. be here. No matter what division we go in, we'll still do this pod, won't we? Mm. And to know what? As I say, we like it, them... It's quite a lot of like a nice way to end because we kind of joked, didn't we, Jack, that during the game we almost did leave, and but and loads of people did, and you you can't blame us if if we did, but we started singing or the fans started singing, we're Leicester till I, till I die, and we me and Jack literally looked at each other and thought, yeah, all right then, fuck it, we'll stay. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But you know, it's kind of it's, it's it is what it is, isn't it? And it, it's true, you know. Can't, we can't, can't have the good off. times without the bad times. Exactly, and you know, we've you had know, a great if in, run. If we're in the championship, will I still go every week? Yes. Will I complain that about really, it? Yeah, of course I will. Really depresses me, and I, I assume it's people just losing their heads, but going, "Oh well, I'm not going to go next year." Like, I did that last night, but well, 
Well, I, my point was that if you treat people like customers, they'll behave yeah. like customers. I mean, I mean, there are some wider points outside of football but, in terms of the match day experience and stuff, which are very valid. But in yeah. terms of the fact that we're just in the championship isn't enough for me just to go, oh, I'm not going to go anymore. Because it's been far worse than... I mean, it's been yeah, bad, it's well, a bad it season, but it has been, it's been worse than this. Um, and, and you can talk about, you know... I mean, we didn't talk about in the uh, in the Everton game that the atmosphere is as good as it's been for ages. The stadium's yep. rocking, and they tell everyone yep. to sit down. Yeah, that was that was scandalous. Um, I mean, it made me laugh yesterday because the fans obviously have gone past anger and and hatred, and now just have accepted that we're down and actually singing some humorous songs. Thinking if that was in Italy or Argentina or France, possibly Holland, the game would have been abandoned. There'd have been fans on the pitch and flares all over the place just to get the game off. Um, and, and we're laughing about it. But I, I want to end on a positive because I was getting some stick yesterday off my mate. If he um, if he, he listens this far in, he's a United fan from Wembley, um, which I know Jack will like. He was giving me a bit of stick. And uh, I said, well, you're just jealous, mate, because the richest club in the world um, have been usurped by... This tiny little club in the, in the Midlands that no one's ever heard of and no one cares about, who have not only gone to League One, they've come up, won the fucker, won the FA Cup more recently than you, been in the Champions League quarterfinal more recently than you. The only thing you did beat is in was in the fucking Community Shield. And we went and won that as well. All of that from a little little club in the East Midlands and the richest club in the world still can't do that. So that really, that, that really um, I think that, that got to him when I mentioned that. We can't complain. We can't complain. Well, if if any consolation, George, I've had people come up to me at work today and say that they're genuinely worried about me. So um, I I told them I was fine, really. No, I'm fine, honestly. (laughs) Um, But but there we are. On on more positive stuff, uh, I uh, am going to this on Thursday. Rick might be joining me, but uh, friend of of the pod, Kieran Maguire, is doing a live show in Wigston on Thursday night. And I think there are about 10 tickets still available. Um, but that should be a really good evening. And it's raising money for, for Memphis. I think that's how you pronounce it. The local charity. I will learn how to pronounce it on Thursday. But uh, if anyone's about uh, and is going, please do say hello. And hopefully okay. Rick can make it. Needs to get permission off his wife. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that, pal. I've got one shout out as well. Um, Jack on. Smith was 30 at the weekend, bless him, and he's been out on the piss Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, had about two hours sleep in all that time and still went to Fulham yesterday and watched that debacle. So, Jack, hope you're all right today, mate. Um, Happy birthday. And one other final thing, there might be the best ever Twitter name that I've noticed is following us. He's called Gout Fass. He's got no... He follows no one... But he follows us and about 150 <laughs> people. Leicester, I think it might be someone from Kasabian, but I don't know. But Gout Fast, if you're listening, you're coming on the pod. What what if, what if it is Wout Faz under a yeah. pseudonym? He's actually he's actually got gout, which is why he's been <laughs> terrible for the second half of the season. Yeah, and we all explains um, a lot. A, a good story yesterday. Jake knows this. Someone came up to me uh, and said. Uh, Hi, I met you at a wedding last week. And I was like, no, 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 not me. Um, you, you apparently met someone at a wedding last week, Jordan. It must have been you. Um, 
but anyway, the, to the person that came and said hello to me and said they listened to the pod, it was very nice to meet you, but I am not Jordan. I look nothing like Jordan. Um, but it was it's nice to be well, recognised, well, I, I guess. I think my name's Luke now anyway, isn't it? Uh, so, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. But, that, but that's, that's when you know you've really made it when people start pretending to be you at weddings. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone out there pretending What's to be that? one of us at it weddings. Must have been, it must have been you, though, because you've been to a wedding more recently than the rest of us. I've been, to, I've been to so many stag do's and weddings that are not my own. It's um, it's alarming. Mm. One day, mate, forever the bridesmaid. Yeah, I'm never yeah. getting married. <laughs> right, I am genuinely absolutely exhausted. Um, and I think we have now officially broke the record for the longest ever episode um, of this podcast. We did warn you that would be the likely scenario. Um, we haven't even mentioned the next game. Um what is there to say? <laughs> so, we're done. Yeah, there we are. So we'll leave it there. Um, thank you for listening as ever. And well done if you have managed to, to get all the way to the end. And apologies um, if you don't like swear words, but I'd imagine by this stage of listening to the podcast, you're, you're relatively used to it. Um, but look, thank you for listening as always. We will be back um, post-Liverpool. Win, lose or draw because we are... Leicester till we die. So thanks once again for listening. And uh, yeah, this is Nymph Biscuit break stuff uh, playing us out. Uh, you've been listening to the Big Strong Leicester Boys. Podcast Network.